Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. All right, we've talked about machine learning and artificial intelligence before on the Global Medical Device Podcast, and this episode is about that as well. But it's with a different twist. We pull in this concept and talk about machine learning assurance. And we've got a couple experts on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. So please enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. I'm pretty excited about this one. I've had a chance to talk to two guests, uh, a little bit unusual on the Global Medical Device Podcast, but to, I, I think, experts in their own fields. And you know, we all got connected. Uh, so let me introduce, I guess, the folks, and then we'll just dive into the topic. So joining me is Devin Campbell. Devin is the founder of Product LLC. So Devin has been a guest before, but Devin, welcome back. Yeah, great. Happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And first time Global Medical Device podcast guest, and, and probably not the last, is uh, Anthony Abayeb. And Anthony is with Monitar.ai. So Anthony, welcome. Good to be here, John. Thanks. And the topic that I thought we could dive into a little bit today is this this whole topic of AI. I think it's kind of a, a big deal. Uh, people are trying to figure it out. And the reason it's intriguing to me is, is we got... You know, some folks from the inside, if you will, the medical device industry, uh, looking at you know the the ways AI and machine learning can potentially be leveraged. But Anthony, you're you're um, I'll say looking at it from the outside in. So it might be a good place to start for you to give a little bit of background about you and Monitor, and how you even you know ventured on this path of exploring AI and machine learning in uh, med device applications. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like an outsider, so it's it's nice to be doing this with you guys. I have been this disruptor across industries through my career, started in strategic consulting. And somewhere around 2017, really found an interest in the potential AI has to really transform a lot of industries and, and the great impact it can have on our lives. And so I started doing a bunch of digging into what's the reality of AI adoption across major industries? What is AI? Because that word is sometimes almost annoying. It's used so much. But as I dug over a couple of years, got to an interesting specific problem that uh, we founded Monitar to solve, which is there's friction and challenge with large companies, and in particular, regulated companies. Of course, med device companies fall into that category. There's a real challenge implementing machine learning models that fundamentally will do unexpected things and you're trying to bring them into an industry that expects everything to be controlled and predictable. And I was really intrigued by that great opportunity for our healthcare system to be improved by machine learning, discover cures, treat patients better, uh, find new drugs and drug applications. All of those are incredibly exciting, but they're trying to enter industries that are heavily regulated and have a history of risk aversion. And so, I, and that is this thing that I founded Monitor to attack was what could we bring to the market that would help alleviate some of that friction and really help cause adoption and deployment of a technology that I think we all are excited it can do great things, but before it really has the impact it can have, we need to find a way to put some sort of controls around these systems to make us all comfortable and confident that there's good safety when they're being used on people. 
Yeah, it's a really good point. And Probably a, a good place to start before we dive too deep. I think there, you know, it seems like every time I see a commercial on TV, you know, the I think laundry detergent now has AI. You know, it seems like it's it's so. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess the 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 popular thing to say about your products these days, but I, I think sometimes a topic that gets a little bit confusing is AI versus machine learning. And I guess I'll open it up to either of you. So that might be a good place to, to try to get a common understanding of what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. Yeah, absolutely. I'll. I, sh- I wish I had common on who explains it for Microsoft, right? <laughs> I, I, I think like so. AI is overplayed. And let's like, what is generalized artificial intelligence? Like, this is Skynet. These are independent robots, thinking, acting like humans, completely autonomously. We're nowhere near that. But there's a practice within the category of AI, machine learning, which has been around for quite some time. But because of advances in software and hardware that enable significantly faster computing and computation and algorithms, fundamentally, algorithms and software, um, taking information in and reaching conclusions based on certain training and development practices, that's machine learning. Machine learning is really the category within AI. That is the thing that companies have been and are now really accelerating their use of. So these are algorithms and models that are built as applications to take information in and with some amount of training, think about how you train your kids and you develop your kids and you know, then they grow into being teenagers. And while you've given them a foundation of understanding and, and sort of the tooling and the rules to live their life by, sometimes you know, they're going to hopefully do the thing you want them to do and have the ability to make decisions on their own. But sometimes they'll throw you a wild card. And, and ML is very similar. But what's exciting about it to the med device industry is you can be processing information about a patient and the model has the ability to handle that information in real time, make decisions that are as good as, maybe better than, maybe just informational, but can make decisions that can really help speed and improve the patient care experience. And it can do that in real time in ways that we've always leaned on maybe a a care provider or some software that isn't as adept at handling complex problems to handle before. So machine learning is really this area of AI that is the thing companies are investing in and using most aggressively uh, across med device and other industries. Sure. appreciate that. And Devin, I'm going to put as an insider, put, put it on you a little bit, you know, what is the context of AI machine learning from at least your perspective within the med device industry? Well, I mean, if you if you look at it from John McCarthy's definition of AI, you know, it's the, the science and engineering of making intelligent machines, making intelligent computer programs. And ML really is one of those techniques within that AI umbrella that you can use to produce intelligent behavior through the through the lens of having, you know, specific models that are based on statistical analysis that be able to can query all of that and all that data and ultimately try to learn and improve it and get better. And, and I share Anthony's enthusiasm and excitement for it as, as there's also a lot of kind of lip service uh, excitement, but I think there's also some real excitement too about how transformational it can be in our space. It gives us a new tool and, and, and an ability for us to try to produce better, smarter, faster medical devices and um, especially in the SAM MD space or the, the SAMD space. So I think it's really exciting, but it's also 
you know, it feels wild west sometimes to a lot of folks within you know our industry, especially folks that are you know here for a long time and are really used to the command and control and locked algorithm approach that we have embraced and have been taught to embrace through quality systems and, and through our regulators to really adopt this this version of the world where everything is so well controlled and and meticulously reviewed and all benefits and risks are identified before you implement some new change. Whereas that's in kind of stark contrast to the benefit and the value that ML can bring in our space with uh, this idea of being able to learn as we're going and improving rapidly these models and, and the algorithms behind the decisions that are being made. It's just really interesting balance between those two things that you know, the whole industry, including the FDA and, and regulators in Europe, are trying to get their arms around to understand how can we adopt this new future that we're moving toward, because clearly it has benefits. But how do we also, at the same time, ensure that uh, the safety uh, and effectiveness of whatever tool is using that, whether it's just software or a full medical device, um, isn't impacted in a deleterious way, right? We want to make sure yeah. that it's continuously safe for um, for patients ultimately. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good point. So I, I recently was reading about this term and, and it, it was a little bit of a head scratcher to me, but but I'm guessing between the two of you, you'll be able to provide a, a lot of clarity on. And that, that term is machine learning assurance. Maybe take a moment to elaborate what that is. And, and I mean, how is that connected to the overall AI machine learning topic in general? Yeah, you asked me earlier about our journey. So, you know, I'm this entrepreneur and sort of disruptor through my career. But my my partner Andrew, he's a guy who started his career as an auditor, uh, then became a data scientist, and started building models to um, do different tasks. And as an auditor, I said, why isn't anybody wondering if my model that I just built to do this task is working correctly? Like, that seems like a miss. You can't just assume this is right. And this is in 2016. Started searching for is there any guidance out there on how you should perform audits of machine learning models. And there was nothing. And so Andrew's journey started down a path of, we think of ways to do this as an auditor. He's one of the chief authors of a, of a bunch of guidance out there and a reviewer of guidance you know, in the US and the UK on the topic of how do you build audit and assurance of model-based decisions? Because before you had machine learning um, really being used, companies had spans of control in lines of defense where you know, there's a first, second, third line type structure that thinks about uh, how do you keep reasonable oversight and how do you create assurances, which is really the enablement of, of trust in a system and trust in a process. How do you create those things around machine learning? And the idea of machine learning assurance goes from a first step, which is, does a business understand what it is I'm trying to achieve here? What are the opportunities? What are the risks? Sort of framing what it is you'd like to do with a model and goes all the way through the research and development and the testing and the deployment and then ends in a place where you're monitoring uh, and managing this thing in the wild to be confident that it is doing what it was that you had hoped it would do and managing for the risks that you were aware of when you started, um, which is not so dissimilar from what I understand and you guys can tell me or validate, but it's not so dissimilar to how we think about you know quality management and the process of working through quality management using a QMS. ML has a similar sort of path that you need to think about building assurance and quality control around that application. 
but it's nuanced enough because of some of the things you know Devin said and its uh, unexpected outcomes potentially. What you do through each step to think intentionally about uh, those risks and how a model can change over time and how you build for that knowledge is a little nuanced. And so we, um, not specific to medical device, but more generally, are really building a company to specialize in the ideas of ML assurance, both through software enablement of it, but also in helping a company build good corporate culture and governance controls that are specific to managing the risks and opportunities of machine learning. Yeah, interesting. And and Devin, Anthony sort of hinted at, and I'll uh, let you dive into sort of a comparison and contrasting uh, the machine learning assurance versus, you know, I'll say classic QMS or quality management and control. Right. I mean, I mean it lines up at a higher level when, when you're looking at this whole command and control piece, but really part of what you're trying to do there is make sure that you're not having, you know, defects escape into the wild so that you, you go through this very rigorous, you know, process, these processes in your quality system to make sure that, you know, changes you've made to your software, changes you've made to your device don't end up, you know, hurting someone later, right? So it's, it's a lot of benefit risk analysis. And to be able to feel this sense of confidence, just like if you were manufacturing a piece of, 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 of hardware, right, for a, a medical device, you're going to go through quality control checks as you're manufacturing it. And then before you release that out into the world and you have somebody start using it, it's going to go through final acceptance testing and everything else that you need to do um, you know, within your manufacturing facility to know that you're putting out a consistently good product. And when it's used in the hands of somebody else, that it is performing the way that it's intended to. And when you look at it from an ML perspective, you know, it's kind of like, like it's out in the wild and it's being manufactured in real time, if you want to think of it that way, right? Constantly being manufactured and, and remanufactured. And how do you get your arms around making sure that what you are putting out, whether it's a, a new decision that's being made by you know, a different set of data that's going in, into the algorithm, um, how do we make sure that what's coming out is still safe, right? And so I think of it that way um, when I'm looking at assurance to say, how do I feel confident and safe that what's coming out is working within specific bounds? It's, in, it's behaving the way that I generally intend it to. How would I raise a red flag if something was to go, you know, go sideways and, and render a really weird result that could have serious ramifications on the decisions that are made that affect the patient. So how do we kind of put some command and control over that, but still allow it to be flexible and nimble and growing? And that's kind of where I think of assurance in this space. The FDA has given us kind of a perspective as well. I mean, they put out um, an AI and machine learning discussion paper uh, not too long ago. It's been a bit now. Um, and I'm sure that you'll put a link to it in, in your materials, John. But they have this really good image in their um, paper. It's figure two, where they kind of show this total product life cycle approach to thinking about a AI and ML. And right on that image, they talk about this idea of assurance as well. They show within the machine learning practice and everything else that's happening to the model and the training and the tuning of that model, then you have to do some model validation. And then how does that de model get deployed out into the real world? And you have to do some assurance, making sure that it's safe and it's effective. And 
as it's behaving out in the field, they're looking for assurance in real-world monitoring of the results that it's rendering. And then you know, tracking and trending those results and being able to feed that back in through a culture of quality, which is something you and I have talked about on a number of calls, John. I see all of that really coming back to this, this basic sense of, of having, assur- you know, being assured that as this thing that is constantly moving and constantly changing for the better is out there doing its thing, how do we know that it is behaving within certain bounds and that it's you know, it's rendering uh, good results. I'd like to take a moment to extend a personal invitation for everyone listening to attend the Greenlight Guru True Quality Virtual Summit. This three-day, three-track online event is completely free and will take place on June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And believe me, folks, this is a must-attend experience for all medical device quality, regulatory, and product development professionals. Reserve your spot now by visiting virtual-summit.greenlight.guru. We'll also include this link in the episode description. During the Greenlight Guru True Quality Virtual Summit, we'll stream directly to your desktop from the comfort of your own home with over 30 of the industry's top experts presenting a unique, personalized experience for attendees to learn actionable tips, trends, and best practices for streamlining development of innovative devices, staying ahead of regulatory changes, and achieving true quality for your medical devices and businesses. So before we resume this episode, head on over to virtual-summit.greenlight.guru to reserve your free all-access pass now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, thank you, Devin. I think that, like, really, both of you actually helped connect a lot of dots for me because I think a lot of times when uh, I guess I've thought about or talked with folks about. Uh, AI, machine learning uh, applications within the med device industry, it's, it's, it's almost a very product-centric um, point of view. Like my product has to have you know, machine learning or my product has to have AI. And mm-hmm. sure, it, is, it could be that, but, but there's a lot of other things that we could leverage uh, you know, this machine learning assurance framework for. Uh, you know, I was just thinking during design and development. I mean, I, I recall... Uh, a time passed uh, when I was developing different uh, catheter devices, and we we had these crazy models that we were trying to build from a benchtop testing perspective. But was it a good model? I don't know. But perhaps you know we could have you know had we had this notion of machine learning assurance back in the day, we could have leveraged those that type of tool or that type of information to help inform us during the design and development and the models that we're using. Uh, and then, you know, essentially, I'll use the word validate, I'll put quotes around it just in case, but validate it with real world evidence once, you know, the product got out in the wild, so to speak. So am I thinking about it the right way? Yeah, I, let, I think, me, let, me, let, me, let me take a quick stab at that, Anthony, and then and sure. let you jump, jump in on top of that. I think you are, John. One piece I think that's important to remember is that, you know, in order for these to work, you have to have data to train it on, Right. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not just like magic, and then suddenly it's it's getting better. So the more that we're using it, the more we're contributing data to train the models with, um, the better. So I think we have, it's an important piece for us to to keep in mind with it. Um, so it could be a useful tool during development for sure. I don't feel, but I invite Anthony to challenge me that it would necessarily 
be answering the question, is my model the right model? But gotcha. what it can do as you're feeding data to it um, and, and as you're exercising this model and if you're watching it really closely and monitoring you know, all the results that it's rendering and what were the inputs and what were the outputs, you know, this whole idea of assurance, um, that can help you raise red flags during development to say, whoa, 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 wait a second. We got a sideways result here that we were not expecting and allows you know, the, the computational scientists to be able to go back through and say, okay, you know, what was going on? What was the inputs and the outputs that kind of caused the model to give us this really random result so that we can improve the algorithm and make it better? I see that being an opportunity in development, but especially being an opportunity uh, in you know, post-market surveillance type activities to be able to say, okay, something just went sideways. There's a way for us to kind of capture that and, and, and hold it back so that we're not, you know, providing some weird information and then allow us to, you know, open up a cap or something like that to be able to dive really deep in and understand, you know, why did that happen? Anthony, uh, you want to jump on? Yeah. So I, I will take the, as you kicked off, John, not being the person who is from MedDevice, but uh, and then connect it. So in, let's use financial services, banking, as an example. They've been using models to make consumer decisions for decades, right? Like models are involved in do you get credit or do you get a loan? And you know, machine learning is starting to be used there as well. But the idea of using software-based models or algorithms in financial services has been around for a while. And there's been um, a bunch of regulation around that. And in healthcare, it's newer. In med devices, it's newer. Um, and so the idea of how you specifically manage a model might be a new idea, but of any industry, you know, medical device and healthcare have such a great organizational discipline around quality control. And, you know, when you, when you look at the FDA's guidance, and, you know, we even had a separate conversation with them specifically about Monitar and these ideas of, of control and creating, as the guy who runs digital health, Bakul Patel, uh, explains reasonable assurances of safety and effectiveness. Like within a med device company, um, how do you make sure that your entire organization has this culture of quality control, right? And and part of that is people being educated on what what is an ML model and understanding what it can and cannot do, right? And what data you have that you can and cannot use to train a model. You know, the FDA expects that. You're not just building a model and then using it in production that you have a back to this culture of quality control. Like you can demonstrate to them that you have been using the model internally. You have been monitoring it. You have been testing it. You have been interrogating it. And you've been doing that for some period of time. So to your point, John, like showing how you use models in your development process might not be explicitly expected, but it demonstrates that organizationally, you have this culture of quality control. Like when you use machine learning in different places of your, your business or in your development process, you're already exhibiting good practices of, I watch to see what happens. When something looks wrong, I inspect that. I have the ability to see yeah. when something wrong happens. And so it's not just a in-the-market thing, although that is probably the area the FDA struggles with the most, is what does post-market surveillance really mean or look like? And they want to solve it. But to be good at managing something when it's in the market, you sort of can't do that unless you're also good at just doing it internally. There's this phrase I love, like, clean your room before you go out and play. Like, can you just be really good internally at using these tools and managing them effectively and demonstrating that makes you better at managing it as you deploy products in the market? 
No, it's really, I mean, it's it, gears are turning quite a bit on my end, you know, and, and I'm thinking sort of, of course, not every med device is this way, but a lot of med devices are still in a manufacturing environment. There's a lot of hand crafting that goes involved with it or a lot of human intervention. And, you know, even the best of humans is going to make a lot of mistakes, especially, you know, uh, whenever we're doing visual inspections and verifying certain attributes or features and things along those lines. And, you know, the the knee-jerk response uh, for a lot of folks is, oh, we'll just add uh, another manual inspection step uh, to double check that. And uh, the statistics are, well, that just means more mistakes happen. It's crazy. Um, It's actually the antithesis of what people are intending to have happen. So I can see like where machine learning assurance could be a huge asset in a lot of manufacturing processes. As an industry at large, manufacturing is one of the emerging spaces that, you know, is definitely adopting machine learning with those same risks that med devices face. How, How can a company demonstrate to first internal audit and quality control and then externally to whatever standards or geographic policies they have to adhere to, how can they demonstrate that they've implemented good quality controls and assurances on their processes? And yeah, it's not just the ML within the device, but the actual manufacturing floors and processes may be including machine learning. And when one model in any workflow does something anomalous, or let's just think about an outlier, right? Like, let's say that a model now handles a a condition or a variable that it might have not been explicitly trained to handle. It'll make a decision because it has the capacity to make a decision. It won't choose to do nothing, but you might, because you may have not trained for that specific way that something was presented on a conveyor belt, or the symptoms that a patient presented are so unique that it just wasn't handled in the training data, it's going to reach a conclusion. You need a system that says, hey, wait a minute, my model was just asked to handle something that had input data or features in the technical sense that we've never considered before. It might have handled it correctly because it a well-built model could do that. So could a poorly built model, but it should still be checked because it's now handling a condition it never had to handle before. And that's an example mm-hmm. of, of assurance is that it's not just that it did something right or wrong. It had to do something it hasn't been asked to do before. And let's make sure that that seems okay. And what's cool about machine learning maybe versus the manual process you explained of doing a, a manual audit is you can use software to more readily see these events and kick off workflows to quickly do your, hey, does this look good or not? And if it does, great. You, you, you check off that I perform that step, right? If it doesn't look good, um, you have the ability with good assurance, ML assurance software to quickly triage the, the expansiveness of that problem. Did it affect one thing on the manufacturing floor? Did it affect one installed medical device? Or is this version of a model have an issue that affected you know, all of these different individuals or, or conditions. And that's why you really need to think about how do you have oversight into your systems to catch those, those potential issues, whether good or bad, and at least check on them. All right, folks, I want to remind you, I'm talking with Anthony Habayab. Anthony is the co-founder and CEO of Monitar. You can find them at monitar.ai, and that is M-O-N-I-T-A-U-R.ai. And also talking with Devin Campbell. Devin is the founder of Product LLC. And you can learn more about Product LLC by going to prodct.dev 
you know, I've had a chance to to chat with both of these gentlemen a few times before today. Devin, I've done a little bit longer, and uh, every time I talk to them, I'm learning something new. So, so I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. One of you, I, I can't remember which now, but mentioned uh, a name, Bakul mm-hmm. Patel, uh, a moment ago, and I thought we could maybe shift gears slightly. Bakul Patel is um, the FDA head of the Digital Health uh, Program, and yeah, I know he's the, from a regulatory perspective, he's probably um, represents uh, the head of the thought leadership, especially as it relates to AI and machine learning and, and potential applications within the medical device industry. You know, Anthony, I think you recently participated in some conversations um, with Bakul and a few other folks at FDA. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how that conversation went? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think that in general, the FDA is working really hard to create safety around artificial intelligence because, like so many people, they believe there's great potential for machine learning and artificial intelligence to improve healthcare. And they have the hard job of balancing something we've been talking about, which is how do you create safety and sort of effective oversight of a system that can do unexpected things. And so I think it was in March, they hosted a public workshop on the topic of the use of AI and radiology that brought together their, the FDA team brought together radiology and med device manufacturing companies, um, then also brought the hospitals uh, or the care providers, the, the practitioners, the doctors. And together, everyone was talking about uh, what are the challenges and opportunities in creating safety and a good framework around AI. And as Devin alluded to earlier, Matt Diamond and some folks from the FDA put out a paper underneath SAMD, which was talking about when you're using machine learning as, as the software and a medical device, what is the current thinking the FDA has? So we had this meeting because um, after the workshop, talking to a few folks, it was really clear that what Monitar is building, this idea of enabling assurance and creating good monitoring and um, authoritative sources of what machine learning models are doing or have done, things that enable oversight, enable quality control, enable inspections if they're needed, things that enable approvals of devices. Monitor checked a lot of boxes within their SAMD guidance. Specifically, there's this idea to have good machine learning practices. John, you mentioned earlier, like the total product lifecycle, like in EU and in MDR, they have this TP. Oh, geez, I always mess up the acronym, TPLC. Yeah, you got it. Total product right. lifecycle. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, so so the FDA has said, like, we think the EU's MDR stuff, this is in their workshop, is some good guidance because things will happen. So our job is to get to a place where there are reasonable assurances of safety and effectiveness. And so they put out this framework, figure two, that, that was mentioned. And we had a meeting that specifically said, how could Monitar help this framework of machine learning being used in medical devices and also in di- diagnostics and there's pharma. It's, it's a general application. And our conversation was great because it is clear to me that the entire FDA team, this, I mean, gosh, hats off to all of them, by the way, dealing with the COVID-19 stuff right now. They're so at capacity uh, in, in trying to push things through. But we had a great conversation around, very transparently, they are trying to find more effective ways to get comfortable that they see how a company is showing good control and discipline when they're building models, testing models, what data are they using? How are they keeping an eye on the potential outcomes of models, um, model-based decisions, to be clear? There's this language they have called, or there's a thing within the framework called the Algorithmic Change Protocol, ACP. We discussed how 
how would the FDA view a company who proves they have good machine learning specific access to every decision the system's made? How are they doing almost redundant or independent monitoring of their system? Um, what checks and balances do they have between the people building the models and folks who are checking on the models? I had a really great conversation outside of the FDA meeting with John Martin, who's the chief medical officer for Butterfly Network. And as someone that has you know, been doing a great job, I think, of saying, listen, first, people make mistakes. So let's consider that standard when we're evaluating medical devices. And second, all of us should be okay with the idea of introducing third-party software or companies to help make sure that there's good assurance on our systems. So we had this conversation with the FDA that was sort of digging into all of these concepts. And uh, I'd say overall left the conversation as a founder of a company that's very interested in this problem. Like I left the conversation encouraged that you know the FDA is really looking for companies and partners to help them demonstrate great examples of how you can have good assurance on your machine learning, how you can be in front of catching mistakes or, or adverse outcomes, um, how you can prove your, your culture has a good quality control mindset. Um, and then also specifically, exactly what are you as a company doing around post-market surveillance? But also, the FDA has never really had to have a lot of involvement in post-market surveillance. And they're trying to think through how do they make sure if they need to intervene, at some time, or um, as a model is evolving, they know it's unrealistic to say any little feature change in a model, they have to see it. That slows down innovation. But how can they have some assurances around the company's post-market surveillance and processes so that they can feel comfortable letting machine learning models, as Devin was alluding to, continue to get smarter and evolve based on real-world uh, data and dynamics. So it was a great conversation we had. I'm hoping, you know, Monitar uh, can bring some companies, some of our customers, uh, they gave given us the ability to bring some opportunities their way to collaborate on uh, real use cases that prove out or modify their framework. That's just where I started. Sorry, this was a long-winded answer. But uh, that's okay. Um, I mean, started, it was, they really do want to see this stuff getting out there. And they just want to try to get to a place they're comfortable. They've done all they can to protect us uh, in the, this device going out there. Just like any device, sure, there could be risks, but they've at least gotten their hands around and sniffed out that you as a company have done all you can to mitigate those risks. All right. Yeah, I mean, we'll get, we got you wound up and, and let you go. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. So, um, you know, one, one, one thing, John, I think is really cool about you know this time and where we're at on this topic, it's, you know, we're barreling down the track really fast and there is so much promise, but we're building the train as we go, right? We're we're building the train, we're laying the tracks in front of us. It's not, um, you know, it's not completely um, laid out for us in, in a way that we know exactly what to do. So it's just, I think it's a really exciting time to bring these two things together. Uh, and, and to be working in that space and try to understand r- the ramifications and and how to make all of that work. Um, one thing I want to point out for your listeners, uh, if if they if they if they think, wow, that sounds like it was a really cool workshop. I wish I was there. Um, the FEA does have it available on their website. You can see webcasts of both days, and then all presentation material and uh, 
including those from um, Akul Patel that we talked about earlier and a lot of other people. All of that is readily available and publicly available on, on the FDA site. Yeah, um, and, and it's a, it's a really, it's a really cool masterclass. Yeah, it's a really cool masterclass of, I mean, they were focused on radiological imaging to begin with, but, you know, the conversation bounces up and down between, you know, that specific application versus just kind of in general medical devices and software as medical devices. Um, and it bounces back and forth. And, and it has some really interesting contrasting um, um, positions to, and food for thought to kind of really chew on in there. Yeah, I like the uh, we're building the train and the tracks uh, yeah. at the same time. And yeah. uh, 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 even with that, we don't even really know where those tracks are going to lead. And even with that, uh, there's there's lots of obstacles and challenges. I mean, I'm not trying to poo-poo uh, any uh, regulatory framework by any stretch of the imagination. But the reality is the uh, historical and for the most part current regulatory framework does not know how to handle this. So. Devin, I guess I'm curious, do you have any food for thought or tips and pointers, uh, words of wisdom for those that are really interested in leaning in and being leading edge on AI and machine learning? Well, I mean, pervasive throughout a lot of my advisory work is, is kind of start with the end in mind, right? And, and kind of take those baby steps toward uh, an, an ultimate solution. But the challenge here is, you know, we don't know where the train's going. We have a good, we have a good idea, but we don't know exactly. So how do you take those baby steps? I think if you abstract the problem enough and you want to really be on the front edge and, 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 and leading in this space, lean in, as you say, to really focus on ultimately patient safety uh, and effectivity uh, of you know, your product, whatever it is, whether it's just software or a device using AI in some way, to really lean into that um, and, and think through, am I doing what I need to do? Can I feel confident in the decisions that are being made and in how the model is evolving and how do I have mechanisms in place to be able to keep track of things and, and feel like I've, I've got a good hold on it, you're doing the right thing, right? It kind of comes back to that whole cultural quality piece, right? That are we doing the right things for patients and are we doing the right things for caregivers to give them the information they need to make timely decisions and make accurate, correct decisions? and whether the regulations are there yet or not, ultimately, you know, what are they there for? They're there to make sure that we're making consistent product and we're making good quality product or good quality decision rendering, you know, if it's from an algorithm, that are safe and effective for patients. So if you really want to lean in on this space and, and be uh, kind of help join this fight and be, and be leading in the, in the thought leadership of it, you know, I say focus on those and start building those tracks toward ultimately that goal uh, and making sure that, that it meets those needs. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And if folks, um, I want to get a shout out to both of our guests today. So Devin Campbell, uh, I've known him now for uh, a couple of years. And one of the things that I mm -hmm. definitely know about uh, Devin is he's a push the envelope kind of guy, you know, to do what's best and what's right for patients, especially when it comes to safety and effectiveness of products. Um, and the good news is he's uh, a wizard when it comes to quality management system and regulatory framework and all that sort of thing. So, you know, he's definitely a guy to have in your quarter. And I know he does a lot of work with all sorts of uh, med device companies, a lot of startups, et, et cetera. So definitely would encourage you to reach out to him, uh, go to 
product without the U, .dev, and uh, pretty easy to fill out a form. And I'm sure Devin will call you with or reach out to you within the next day or two. And then obviously we've we've been talking with Anthony Habaya with uh, Monitor, and you know it's clear Anthony knows this stuff when it comes to to AI and machine learning too. And uh, definitely people that you want in your corner if you want to push the envelope, so to speak. So, gentlemen, before we wrap up this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, I guess I'll give you each an opportunity to share some final words or tips or pointers that you want the audience to leave with. Sure. Well, first, John, thank you for putting this podcast and all of your podcasts. I've been trying to get smart on the industry. This has been a great (laughs) source of information for me. So thank you for doing this. You know, I'd probably just leave with, you know, Monitar's specialty and our focus is to be great at creating machine learning assurance. And, you know, surrounding ourselves with folks like you and Devin are, are a way to do that um, for medical devices. We, we'd like to be a partner that can come in and help a medical device company um, really build good control and all of these things they need to worry about with machine learning. Let us help solve those problems um, so that the company continue to, can continue to focus on uh, the things that they're experts at, and uh, sure, this is a this is a great chance to talk about some things that we're really interested and passionate about. And thanks for pulling us together to do that. Absolutely. All right, Devin, how about you? You know, I think what's an important piece to kind of keep in mind here. When I first met Anthony, we were both pulled into um, a think an AI think tank based uh, that Jennifer Jordan put together, um, focused on trust and transparency in AI, and like how do we really um, allow AI and ML to do its thing, um, but trust it and have some transparency into how did it make its decisions. And I was pulled in to kind of help represent the medical device industry. And what I felt was really exciting about that, uh, those think tank conversations that we had and, and ultimately, you know, kind of connected Anthony and I, and we've doing, been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of work in this space, is remaining agile, right? Keeping your mind open, not sticking to necessarily the way we've always done it with these really stiff and structured um, mental models to look at how do we manage software and how do we manage algorithms. Remaining flexible really allows us to say, well, what are they doing in other industries? How can we do better in the medical device industry by pulling from some of this and, and, and allowing us to you know, make really good use of it? And there's lots of great examples of companies out there using AI right now and using machine learning to try to produce, you know, amazing products. Um, those companies are demonstrating this agile mindset, this ability and this, this fearlessness to be able to embrace something that is causing friction on the market, you know, really unsure how we're going to do it, but, you know, not letting themselves be held back by the fear of this is how we've always done it, but instead say, let's try to do something a little bit different. And how do we, do that while still ensuring that we're delivering quality product to our patients. And I think that if, if you know, people want to jump on this train while we're building it and, and laying the track in front of us, participants really have to be of that agile and open-minded perspective. And I think we can do some really cool things together. Yeah, I love that. And folks, um, jumping on the train now is a, is a good way to be at the forefront of of really impacting, I'll say, regulatory policy, because it's clear that although we don't know exactly where the train is going to end up, we have a pretty good idea on its heading and its direction. And, you know, AI machine learning is uh, definitely something that will find its way into the medical device industry in a very thoughtful, intentional, 
sort of way. And so if you want to be part of the thought process and the intention of leading it to where it should go, I would encourage you to get on that train. And if you want to know how to do that, these are two gentlemen that I'm sure you can reach out to. Uh, again, Anthony Habayab with Monitor and Devin Campbell with Product. And I want to thank both of them for taking time out of their busy schedules to participate. And you know, of course, let me wrap things up by reminding you all, Greenlight Guru, we're here to help you as well. Greenlight Guru has built the only medical device quality management system on the market. It's been designed by actual medical device professionals and exclusively and only for the medical device industry. And you know, we work with folks like Anthony and Devin and other thought leaders and FDA, et cetera, on making sure that our platform is always up to date and informed and ahead of uh, the, the current thinking, but, but at the same time, keeping you compliant, but allowing you to focus on true quality, which at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about, improving the quality of life. So yeah. go to www.greenlight.guru and learn more about uh, the medical device QMS software. And if you'd like to learn more, you can reach out to our team. We'd be happy to help. But as always, appreciate you listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. There's well over 100 episodes for you to catch up on. Uh, wherever you are hearing this episode, you can find all those other episodes uh, there as well. And again, thank you so much. As always, this is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.